face, but I can almost hear her say, Merciful to me when I deserve to die. Merciful to me, my soul he brought new life. Nothing could I bring my debt to satisfy. Jesus was merciful, merciful to me. Satan's men were closing in. I knew what was in store. A decent payment for my sin, eternal fire and more. But Jesus said, I have an announcement I'd like to make today. You see, I have the scars to prove that I've taken this one's place. Merciful to me when I deserve to die. Merciful to me, my soul he brought me life. Satisfy Jesus was merciful, merciful to me. Nothing could I bring my death to satisfy. Jesus was merciful. Jesus was merciful, merciful to me. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles today. Turn over the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, please. Joshua chapter 1. We always look forward to a new year, at least I do. <clears throat> I don't know if our voices do, do they? With all the sickness and the colds and the coughs that goes around about this time of year, it certainly does have a, play a toll on our voices, but we are glad to face a new year. I don't know about you, but I am always anticipatory. I enjoy facing the new year. Joshua chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 1, we're going to read through verse 9, a very familiar passage, one that probably you've heard before if you've been in church any length of time, and if you've not been in church very long, you're going to appreciate this passage extremely as we move forward. Now let's go ahead and look at Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, <clears throat> the Bible says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. 
Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now, Joshua has spent his life following and serving Moses. And we know that Moses is one of the great leaders of all time. No doubt about that. He is now being thrust into the position of leadership. He's now being placed head over all of Israel. And in time, he will do what Moses could not do. And that is simply lead the people of God into the promised land. It's interesting to note that, isn't it? The great leader Moses brought the people out of Egypt, but he could not bring them into the promised land. It would take Joshua. And now in this particular passage, God is restating the covenant that he made with Moses and the people of God. In this particular passage, he's assuring Joshua once again that the promise that he made to Moses and the people is still in force. Even though a new leader was in place, it was still in force. And that he would be with Joshua throughout and all the way through it. Israel had been wandering for about 40 years. And they have experienced tremendous loss of family and friends. And they've gone through a number of transition and change. And yet here they are now on the precipice of occupying the land, entering into that promised land that God had said He would give them. They've always been a nation, but now they would finally be settled. And we're going to note in the passage that they would have to be have to do a couple of things. One, they would have to stand. They would have to step. They'd have to strive to ultimately succeed. You know, as in a ministry even Community Baptist Temple, we've continued to function as a church since leaving our building up top for over three years now. As we've been in this building for now three and a half years, it's a long time, isn't it? But I guess we could almost say, or should I say, we we could almost say that it was almost like a wilderness experience, wasn't it? I guess if you're here enough, you'd feel that way. And although our journey was not a result of rebellion or disobedience, 
We've still had to work under an umbrella of anticipation, haven't we? Always awaiting what would find, when we'd finally occupy our new place, our new home. Like those Israelites of old, we must, in like manner, stand. We're going to have to step. We're going to have to strive in order to succeed. And in the passage, again, God promises them what He calls good success. But they would have to follow a particular course. And I want to take a few moments and consider that proper course. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and think about that as we, in the year 2017, are prepared and poised to ultimately enter the promised land, so to speak. And moving into our new building, hopefully by the end of this month, that's what our goal is, we're still shooting for that. We said, well, the 21st, you won't have your teacher and uh, bus worker meeting over at the building. Well, a week later, we should be there, Lord willing. And again, if he's not willing, then we won't be there. But it won't be for lack of effort, I promise you that. We had a good crowd, by the way, this past Thursday. Appreciate all the men that came out and gave us a hand. It was a blessing. Got a lot accomplished. But we're still on that schedule, so we can still use you, by the way. Monday, Tuesday, Thursdays, all day, up till 8 o'clock. And then the other two days, just in the morning from 7.30 to 4. So 7.30 to 4 every day, but then until 8 o'clock on Tuesday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. We could use you. We still need your help. All right, so anyway, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. And then I'm going to share with you just a few minutes and just a few moments some, some of these aspects that we need. Uh, the proper course, if you will. Father, we come to you. We need you today. <clears throat> help me now, Lord. And I'm going to focus my thoughts and my attention on what is the most necessary needed. Again, Lord, uh, we have a lot going on today as we consider our vision night tonight and, Lord, as we look forward to uh, the coming year. Lord, there's so much as a church that you would have us accomplish. I'm confident of that. And, Lord, this morning we just need to be instructed from your word. We need to be inspired by it. We need to be, Father, prepared and readied, Father, for even just the rest of the day and tomorrow and the rest of the week. May your Holy Spirit come down and speak to our hearts. May he move us and may he prepare us and ready us, Father, for the week to come even. And Lord, we need you today. Holy Spirit of God, fill me in. Father, may you fill each person listening that we might hear with spiritual ears. Do a supernatural work in our lives today, Lord. We love you. We need you. In Christ's name, amen. First of all, this proper course, I believe God would have us stand as well. He'd have us stand. Notice in verse 2 of the passage, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. He says, arise. Well, you've got to stand. He says, arise, stand. That's the first thing that they're going to need to do. They've got to arise. They've got to stand. And I say, if we're going to stand, we're going to have to shore up the foundation. We need to shore up the foundation. In the book of Psalm, chapter 11, verse 3, the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Hey, listen, a foundation is a very serious matter. If they, the foundations, be destroyed, it says, what can the righteous do? What in the world are we going to do? A strong foundation offers stability. A strong foundation offers safety. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 7, please.
In the book of Matthew, chapter 7, beginning in verse 24, reading through verse 25, the Bible says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Now, having a strong foundation permits us to stand firmly. It permits us to stand firmly even in the midst of a raging storm, the Bible teaches. And may I say, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how good of a believer you believe yourself to be. The reality is, you're going to face some storms in your life. And if we are going to experience the kind of success that God demands and that God requires of us in our personal walk with Him and in our ministry here at Community Baptist Temple, I want you to understand that it's going to demand and it's going to require a strong foundation. I want you to note, however, the contrast between the person who builds their life upon the rock versus the one who builds upon the only, only other alternative, sand. Notice it's the only other alternative. Look, if you will, in just 26 and 27, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. There's not one of us that doesn't realize, probably if doing any kind of study or research of any kind, that you don't build a house on sand, you build a house on a firm foundation. Why? Because ultimately, if the foundation sinks, the walls crack, and before it's over with, the house is useless. May I say that you are a house today. Your body is the house of the Lord. If you don't build your life upon the rock, if you don't build your house upon solid ground on solid ground, my friend, I want you to know you're going to be wrecked and ruined. And there is only two options here. You either build upon the rock or you build upon sand. It is, there's nothing else to build upon. You are either on firm foundation or you are on sinking sand. That is it. Someone says, but I have an education and I have a nice sized bank account, and I've got a lot of wisdom and understanding in the world's ways. My friend, that is nothing more than sand. Amen. The rock of Matthew chapter 7 is identified in 1 Corinthians as none other than Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 10, 4, the Bible says, And they did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. As a believer, our foundation is rooted in the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, the Bible says, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is the only true foundation. He's the only rock to build upon. What are you building your life on? What are you building your marriage on? What are you building your family on? What are you building your legacy upon? Is it an education? Is it a high-paying job? Is it some kind of future that you believe yourself to have? Is it your talents and your abilities? Your opportunities? What are you building your life on? What are you building your marriage and your family and your future on? 
If it's anything other than Jesus Christ, my friend, it is sinking sand. We need our feet firmly placed upon the rock if we hope to weather the storms of life and safely arrive on heaven's shore one day. It's a reality. Heaven's real. Mr. Black was just in the service not that awfully long ago, sitting against the back of that wall right there, he and his wife. Just a few weeks back, he is now in heaven today. Just like that. Taking care of his wife, caregiver for his wife. The very one with any strength at all. The one that's able to do the work. He's the one that went first. Heaven is a real place, but my friend, hell is real as well. And may I say, if you are building your life on sinking sand, you are building it on a foundation that leads nowhere but down. And if you're a child of God today, and you say, well, at least I got heaven secured, my friend, you still can make a mess of your life and everyone else's around you. Build upon the rock. A firm foundation. Boy, I tell you what, as a church and as a, uh, 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 as a person in the, the body of Christ, either way, we got to stand. And to stand means we're going to have to sure up the foundation. We need to identify who and what we are building upon and ensure that it is nothing less than Jesus Christ. But also... Not only must we sure up the foundation, but we need to sign up the congregation. In the particular passage that we're reading from there in verse 2, he says, Moreover, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, stand. He goes, Go over this, Jordan, thou and all this people. All this people. It's not just Joshua, stand. It's not just the leaders of Israel stand. It's all this people. All this people. It's important again to understand that as a church, we need everyone to stand. Not only again the pastor, the staff, or certain members, but every believer needs to stand. Everyone needs to grow in their faith. Everyone needs to be grounded more firmly in the Word of God. Everyone needs to be unashamedly and unapologetically before the world, lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone needs to have a testimony that's Christ-honoring in their home and at work. Everybody needs to stand for the cause of Christ. Everybody ought to be excited about the move, and everybody needs to participate in the journey, and everyone needs to get plugged in and turned on by the things of God. Everyone needs to do these things. Everyone needs to get involved and engaged to some degree or another in the service of the King. Everybody needs to stand. Everybody. Sadly, they say that 100% of the work of the church is done by 20% of the congregation. The majority of giving is done by 20% of the congregation. These are statistics. Do you want to know that that is legitimately true in most cases? That is really the bottom line in most churches? I would like to believe it's not quite that here, but may I say... To some respects and some regards, I promise you that it is a smaller minority, a smaller, a smaller group that's 
taking care of the business than the bigger group. And may I say that everybody needs to be involved somehow, some way. Now, I do believe that we have a church that is plugged in and involved. And I see evidence of that in so many ways. But may I say today the temptation is to sit back on our laurels, to rest and relax on our backside and say, well, somebody else will get the job done. That is so common and that is so natural and that is so comfortable in one regard. But may I say that God never expected only Joshua and a few of the leaders to stand as they took the, the took ground, as they entered into the promised land, as they went to occupy the land that God had promised. No, he said, bring them all with you. Get everybody on their feet. Yeah. May I say that everyone needs to be involved and everybody needs to be engaged and everybody needs to be standing. When I say that, I'm not just talking about a move over to a building. I'm talking about increasing your faith and growing in the Christian life. You've got to sign up the congregation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, the Bible says, For the body is not one member, but many. In chapter 12, verse 21, it goes on to say, And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of thee. What it's saying basically is this. No one is insignificant and no one is invisible. Everybody's needed. Everybody's necessary. Everybody's mission essential. Everybody. Tell you what, brother. Why don't you come on up here, Cody. Why don't you come up and give me a hand. I want you to just stand. Come on up. Come on up. I want you to put your hand like this on the pulpit, would you please? Okay, now, Cody, listen. I just want to take one of your fingers today. <laughs> I just, just kind of put this one off the side a little bit like, like that. Okay, you okay with all this? You all right with this? Huh? You think he's okay with this? He's trying to be. Now, wait a second. You've got to understand, Cody. I mean, you've got this whole body. You've got ten fingers. You've got ten toes, I think. And you've got two ears. You've got two eyes. You've got all these things. What, what's one little finger matter? It's insignificant. It's nothing. I'm not even asking to take your thumb. I'm just going to take your little pinky finger. You've still got three other fingers on this hand and a thumb, so you can certainly grasp, turn doorknobs and drive cars and do all that stuff. What's the difference? Just one finger. Do you know what? i got to believe he thinks that finger's pretty important. And you want to know something? That finger plays a, a role, and it has a purpose as part of this body, doesn't it? He doesn't want to do without any part of his body, because every single piece and part plays a factor and plays a, has a purpose. We look at the church and we say, well, I'm nothing. They don't need me. Oh, they got so-and-so doing the work. They got this person. They got that person. Are you kidding? <laughs> Nobody wants to lose a finger because it's important. Plays a fact, it plays a part. Has a purpose. It's part of the body. And it's just as important as any other part when you start talking about taking it off. It scares you to think, I'm going to lose a part. Thanks, Cody. You'll get out of here with your hand. <clears throat> now, 
that's exactly what God's telling Joshua. He's telling him, listen, it's not enough, just you stand. It's not enough, just some of the leaders stand. Everybody's got to stand. Everybody needs to be engaged. Everybody plays a part. Everybody has a role. Everybody has a purpose. You say, well, I don't know what mine is. Well, then you need to find out. Oh, we've got a lot of trainings coming up. Well, I'll tell you what, we could use at least three times the amount of ushers that we have over in our new building. At least three. What are the qualifications, preacher? Let me check. Put a mirror in front of your face and breathe. Does it leave, if if it, you're still breathing, that's, that's a pretty good qualification right there, fellas. <clears throat> that's a good one. Now, again, I understand. I don't want you out drinking Saturday night, coming in and ushering on Sunday morning. No, we're not playing that game around here. We're not going to kill our services because we just have a need. I'd rather do with three solid ushers than have 30 that are living for the devil and think they're going to do God an honor by serving Him. And you don't serve God that way. But still, i got to believe there's men in this church, this building even now that could put on a suit jacket. And we expect you to look professional. We want you to look your best. We want to put our best foot forward when visitors come and others show up in our church services. i got to believe there's those that could get involved. That's not a big job in the sense of it takes a lot of extra time. You don't have to spend Saturday night preparing to be an usher. You just have to know where your place is, what your job is. And you show up Sunday morning, you put your suit jacket on like everybody else that does that's in, in, in the usher corps, and you say, I'm standing here, I'm greeting people, I'm actually going to smile, shake hands, and take people where they need to go. It's not that complicated. But it's a little more comfortable just to sit, get in, get out, and go. I'm not saying that's not good that you're here. But everybody needs to stand. We've got teacher and worker training. We've got, we've got, uh, we've got um, the uh, nursery training coming up. We've got plenty of places for people to serve. We've got bus ministry. We've got the Sunday schools. You, you know where our biggest problem is in the bus ministry? We don't have any potential captains. We've got all kinds of teenagers that want to help, and I'm not discounting teenagers. But teenagers don't captain buses because they need cars and they've got to go out every Saturday visiting and they've got to reach out to their, their, their children and they've got to provide certain promotions and things for them. Well, we need some men. We need some women. We need some people that are adults and have a little more maturity to step up into those roles and say, yes, not only am I a godly Christian the best I can be, I'm trying to serve the Lord and I'm in services and I'm doing the work, but I'm willing to step out and be uncomfortable and give my life to God and to someone other than me and my family. Everyone's got to stand. Everyone needs to be plugged in somehow, some way. We could use a lot more in those areas. But again, don't show up and say, well, I decided that I believe that it's okay. We're going to legalize marijuana, and because it's legal, I'll be able to smoke it, and I want to be a teacher at Community Baptist Temple. You ain't smoking marijuana and teaching. Amen. Not in our Sunday schools, you're not. Now, if I find out about it, if you hide it real good, I won't go searching too deep. No, I'm teasing. But anyway, I, I don't want to hear about it. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Listen, we, we understand what grace is. We understand that we're growing. We understand that there's, there's progression in the Christian life. Everybody doesn't have to be cut out of a cookie-cutter mentality. But by the same token, we all have to be Christians. Everyone needs to stand. 
everyone. Not only do we need to stand, but number two, we need to step. Look if you on verses 3 and 4 of the passage. Joshua chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. <clears throat> he goes on to say, Every place... I'll give you a moment. Chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. It is true we must stand, but it is equally true we must step. And again, we've touched on that a little bit already. But there is great joy that comes to a parent when their child is able to, to, to balance and stand on their own. You know, you get them and you're holding them up. I mean, we, I have my first little grandbaby and the big thing is, you know, you, everybody, she likes to hold on to your little fingers or your hand and stand. You know, every baby's, you know, and they're all wobbly and falling backwards and forwards. Kind of like we get as we get older. <laughs> it's kind of how, funny how we revert back to what, you know what I mean? Kind of full circle, you know? So if you ever see me anywhere, if there's steps anywhere, whether it's myself or anybody else, I'm freaking out. I'm like, ready to catch people. I get over by steps. I'm feeling all, I'm like scooting over a little bit. I don't want to fall down. I'm not even that old, but let me tell you something. The older we get, the less balance we got, the less stability we have. Hold on a second. Every parent, though, is extremely excited. And boy, they are joy-filled to see their little child finally be able to stand on their own. They let them go and they go, and they go, woo! Yes! Woohoo! Good job! Boy, you're so excited for them. But what if that's where it ended? What if all they did was just stand? Come on! Come on! Come to daddy! And the little baby just goes, like that. And the little baby's still doing that at two. And the little baby's still doing that at three. And pretty soon they're a toddler, and instead of walking around and running around, they're just simply balancing. They're standing, but they're not stepping yet. Boy, a parent would be alarmed, wouldn't they? Extremely concerned and bothered by that. See, the Lord saved you and I to not only stand for Him, but to step as well. See, we're to always be moving forward and in a state of progress in our Christian life. Always. It's that way in the ministry as well, by the way. A ministry is not complete to simply stand. It must continue to take steps to advance the cause of Christ. Now, let, let me just, and again, I, I fully understand this, and, 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 and I have talked to a number of folks about this. Community Baptist Temple has got to go forward. We cannot stay this way. Or we will die. We have to go forward. We have to reproduce ourselves. It's scary to think about change. But I tell you one thing, I don't know about you, but it scared the life out of me when my kids started taking their first steps. 
I was always afraid one was going to fall and hit their head on a, uh, some kind of counter or hit their head on something. I mean, I just, I'm a freak about things. Now, can I tell you something? And I'm just going to say this. This is, this is off the, the, the message. This is just a little help for you. I have never child-proofed my home. I have home-proofed my child. So what do you mean? I taught my child what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. I didn't have to worry about them grabbing things they shouldn't grab, touching things they shouldn't touch, doing things they shouldn't do. I didn't move all the coffee tables out. Well, I did when they were first maybe moved. I kind of put little things on the edges for them so then they did fall, and they would fall. But I didn't move things. I didn't move the television clicker. I didn't move. The, the, keep everything out of the way of the children because if they don't, they'll grab everything. No, 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 no. I home-proofed my child. And you need to do the same or you'll be a miserable pup. Always chasing your child around, saying and yelling no, and taking things out of their hands, and that's how that goes usually. So I want to encourage you not to do that. But it scared me when my kids started walking because they'd fall. I don't like my kids falling. And you know what? It's scary when we start taking steps in our Christian life. It can be scary. When we move out of our comfort zone and we decide to get out of this particular area and move into this area and that's tough whether it's as a church or whether it's as an individual it's difficult but i'm going to tell you something god wants us to take steps in exodus if we're going to take those steps by the way we need to be convinced about something and here's here's what we need convinced about turn to exodus would you exodus chapter 13 taking steps is going to require a couple things of us one we have to be convinced We've got to be convinced. You say, what, convinced about what? Well, here it is. And this is important. <clears throat> we need to be convinced that God is leading and it is His will for us to move forward. You have to be convinced of that. Now, notice in Exodus 13, 21, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. And he, he took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now listen, the children of Israel had been supernaturally delivered out of Egypt. I mean, that was an amazing deliverance. And despite all of the unprecedented miracles that they had witnessed, <clears throat> they were sure to experience some concern and even fear as they departed, weren't they? No doubt about that. They're just human. Moses was a tremendous leader, a great leader, and his influence and his impact on each and every one of them was certainly uh, amazing. I mean, there's no way a man like that could not impact you. To watch him raise that rod and the sea split, I mean, you know, I, I want to hear what that guy's got to say. But see, it would not be Moses and his tremendous leadership that would give the people of God their great comfort, it would be God Himself. See, it would be the presence of God. It would be the, the, the nature of God with them. It wouldn't be long before their greatest fears were realized, was it? I mean, they just left this place. They just finally were delivered out of that place, Egypt. And before it's over with, they're stuck between a, the Red Sea and an army. I mean, that's a scary thing. But we are glad that God delivered them and happy to read about it. And I say God will deliver you today as you take steps on his behalf. 
whether it's steps in soul winning, whether it's steps in scripture, whether it's steps in your, your Christian life, growing in grace. I mean, the Lord will deliver you from those conflicts and those difficulties that you'll face. And may I say as a church, we, if we are following the will of God, we are permitting ourselves to be yielded to the Spirit of God and we are going where God wants us to go, we're all right. But you've got to be convinced of that. You've got to know that. You know, the children of Israel, they got out in the wilderness. What's the first thing they started doing? Man, you should have just left us back in Egypt. You brought us out here to die. You know what the problem was? They weren't convinced God wanted them out. They weren't convinced that Moses was that leader. They weren't convinced that they belonged on their own. Man, they, they, they were not comfortable out there on their own. Matter of fact, they just did not believe that God was big enough to take and meet their every need. You're a dad. I don't know about you, but being a dad's a scary thing sometimes. There's a lot of responsibility there. You better know in your heart that God's with you, and you better know that He'll meet that need. And He will do that if you'll yield to Him. But listen, if you're going to do things your way, then yes, you're going to get your result. It's the same in our homes, it's the same in our marriage, it's the same in our lives and ministry. We've got to be convinced that we are headed in the direction God wants us to go, that He has pinpointed our purpose and direction. But not only that, we have to be convinced, we have to also be careful. As we begin to step, you've got to be real careful. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. So then... See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. As wonderful as it is to have God leading us, or leading you in your Christian life, it can be very difficult to keep your eyes on Him, can it? How many believers have you known through the years? Who, I mean, you were confident they knew the will of God, the direction of God, the purpose of God for their life. You were confident. You saw God working and moving in their life. But things went awry somewhere. How many? Don't, don't yell it because everybody's seen it. You know what the problem was? It's what we find right here. We're going to find they got their eyes off of him. They got their eyes off of him. It's that simple. Now listen, you've got to be careful. When you start to step... You better know what direction God's sending you and pointing you, but then you better be very careful because just because God starts you off and you are following Him doesn't mean you'll continue to if you're not careful. Well, I'll tell you what, the world has a tendency to draw us away, to distract us and redirect us. Satan and those worldly forces are always at our heels. Hebrews chapter 12, turn there, would you please? Verses 1 through 2. Let me just say this. Isn't it, isn't it about time we stop questioning whether or not we should be where we're going? Yes, amen. Wouldn't it be ridiculous for somebody sitting in this room to still be going, I'm just not sure we were supposed to make that move. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, seriously. We're still talking about that? But then again, why should that surprise us if that's going on? 
Because that's what the children of Israel did. Folks, it's time for everybody to stand. <laughs> it's time for everybody to step. We've got to stop questioning God. Listen, there is no doubt God's placed us in this direction, in this pathway. Nothing, the things that have taken place and have transpired over the last years are not by coincidence or chance, and they're not brought about by the mere personality of a pastor. I promise you that. Isn't it about time we just concede to the fact that God has been directing and leading and that what has been accomplished to this point is certainly God because it couldn't have been me or you or any of us even. We've got to be careful though, even with that understood. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy was, uh, that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice again, well, I tell you what, the race has begun. We need to run that race. We can't allow sin or, or the weight of, of, of things in our lives to hold us back, to slow us down, to trip us up. But the fact is, is that we need to look unto Jesus. We can't stop looking to Him. He's the only way that we've gotten started on this journey. He's the only way we begin to move in the journey. Whether it's your Christian life, whether it's your Christian growth, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your home and family, whether it's your new job that God has given you, you started off with God giving leadership and direction. Don't you dare think for a moment you can do without Him now. Oh man, you better keep looking unto Jesus. We cannot be so naive to think that we can protect ourselves from the pull of this world simply by our own willpower or by exercising our self-discipline. It's not going to happen. So I grew up in a home maybe like yours where my dad wasn't always easy on me. He demanded some things of me. He required that I be a man, that I stand up, that I do the right thing. He demanded that I, I push myself and that I don't lay down on a football field when I get hurt, but I get back up and limp off. Don't let nobody carry you off that field, son. You pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You keep on going no matter how hard it gets. Maybe you've been there. Boy, I tell you what, you've learned to overcome things in your life and you can overcome things in your life by your own willpower and your own self-discipline. But I'm going to tell you something. You can only go so far on that one. And it will not honor, nor will it please God, because if it's done in the flesh, it is sin. That is simple. If it's not by faith, it is sin. And may I say in our Christian life today, we cannot afford to think somehow that we can dismiss God, that we can take our eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ and somehow continue to succeed in the work and the ministry that God's given us or even in the family or the personal growth that God has directed us on. It's not going to happen unless we keep our eyes on Him. So if we hope to step, we must be convinced that God is leading then we must be very careful to keep our eyes on Him all the way. Simply to, simply to aspects of that proper course. We must stand and we must step if we want to experience the success that God desires for us. That is true in your own Christian life. That's true in your home, in your family, your marriage. You need to identify what God wants. And may I say that it's not hard 
as much as it is time-consuming. You've got to take the time to get in. God will tell you. His word is clear. His direction is clear. But you've got to spend time in His word. You've got to know the mind of Christ. Found, and it's found in this book, the Word of God. What's God want from me and my family? What's God want from me as far as growth in my Christian life? Am I growing like I ought to be growing? Am I going forward taking steps in my Christian life? Will I end up where God wants me to be by the December of 2017? Will, will, will my marriage be where it ought to be? Will my family be where it ought to be? Will my life and my future be where on, on, the, on course and where it ought to be at the end of this year? May I say you only find that in this book? And take advice from godly men and women. No problem. But when it's all said and done, you better be convinced and confident that He's leading and directing. And then you better be extremely careful that you don't take your eyes off of Him. And God help us. I wonder, are you saved today? Do you even know Christ is your Savior? They're talking to people as though everybody in the room is born again, that everybody's received and accepted Christ. And I've been acting as though everybody in this room knows Him already, not just in the sense of intellectually, but knows Him personally. And that may not be the case today. There may have never been a time, a place, when you personally put your faith and trust in Christ. Oh, you grew up believing in God. You grew up in a good home. But you've never once said, Lord Jesus, boy, I deserve hell. (laughs) I'm a sinner all the way to the root. And there is no way I'm going to ever do enough or be enough to ever earn your favor or to deserve a place in your heaven. Lord, I ask your forgiveness and your cleansing. Oh, come into my life. Forgive me, save me, and take me with you one day. I can't do this without you. It's all you, Lord. Have you done that? Have you made that decision to trust Christ only for your salvation? If you haven't, you need to settle that today. Maybe there's something in your life that you need to deal with. Maybe you need to set a goal in your life, your Christian life, for growth this year. Say, I know God's been pushing me to read my Bible through this year. I've just never done it. I've always felt I should. I've just never done it. Why don't you make a commitment to do that today? And then trust God to get it done. Don't take your eyes off of Him, though, because you'll quit. Maybe God's told you that you ought to be out soul winning on Saturdays. You've been putting it off. You find every other excuse and every reason not to be there. But you know in your heart you ought to be. Why don't you just make a commitment to that? So unless I'm in the hospital or I'm somehow unable to get out of bed, I'm, I'm going to be there with God's help. I'm going to do it. But what is it? I know God's been telling me I ought to be probably a little more plugged in. I ought to not just, you know, be you know, uh, sitting on the sideline. I need to be standing more. I need to be involved. I need to be engaged. I need to be plugged in. I'm, I think, I believe I need to take some steps to get that done. Well, the first thing would be, what do I need to do to get there? I'd approach somebody, myself or one of the staff, and say, what do I need to do to get there? How do I need to structure this, you know, what I'm doing? Have I, are there any requirements? Are there any expectations? What do I have to do to be prepared and ready to step forward in that area? Because I feel God wants me to go forward, do something to take a step. Let's start thinking about those things this year, in 2017. Right away, we need to start thinking about those things. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, that you would just help us and, that, Father, you'd work in our lives, and, Father, you'd